0: Let's the rest of us take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8 this morning. I've entitled this, You Must Be Born Again. If you don't have a Bible of your own uh, with you this morning, you can borrow one from us. In the pew there in front of you, in one of the chairs, is a, a black Pew Bible. Um, you can turn to page 834. You'll be at John 3. If you don't own your own Bible, you can take that one with you as a gift from us. We want you to have God's Word in your hands, and so please receive that as a gift from us if you do not own your own Bible. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Last week, we began to look at the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, but we did so from the perspective of Verse two, uh, Chapter 2 and verse 23 and forward in the previous chapter really helps set the context for us. So uh, if you're new to us this morning, we are in an exposition of the Gospel of John, and so we're working our way through that book, and we find ourselves in John chapter 3 this morning. Uh, specifically, last week we saw that John the Apostle is seeking to show two different kinds of belief. One is a belief that is focused on the signs that Jesus was doing, and the other on what the signs were pointing to, which is the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And precisely on that last point, that he is the Messiah. I wanted to show you first how Jesus challenged Nicodemus about his belief, and then circle back around uh, to the beginning of the conversation again today and see the crucial concern of Jesus with Nicodemus. If you're able to, would you please stand with me? I'm going to read aloud as you follow along, starting in John chapter 2 and verse 23, and then through chapter 3 and verse 8. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John writes, now, when he, that is Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You may be seated. That is the New Testament reading this morning. May it be a blessing to you as you've heard it both in the Old and New Testament this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we come to you once again this morning knowing that We are fully dependent upon you, Lord, for our lives, for uh, every aspect of our life, including right now as we study your word. And we know for those of us who are in Christ that we are indwelt by your Holy Spirit, who in the original autographs inspired these words that we're going to study today. And we know that we have reliable translations of those words to study from. And so we ask that you would, by your same spirit, now give us insight into these things, illuminate our eyes and our minds. And Lord, we pray that most of all, if we are in Christ, we would uh, take action, that we would trust and obey this morning and throughout this coming week. And for those who do not know you, Lord, that they would hear this morning that they must be born again. Would you do that work, Lord? We trust you by your sovereignty to do what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 115, verses 2 and 3 states, Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and He does all that He pleases. The response to the question, Where is their God? is this. Our God is in the heavens, and He does all that he pleases. This is preceded by the statement that the psalmist does not want the people of God to receive glory, but that he, the Lord, specifically that his name would receive the glory for the, st- for the sake of his steadfast love and faithfulness. We should not and cannot pit God's sovereignty against his steadfast love and faithfulness. That is what the psalmist is expressing here. Uh, That God is steadfast in his love and his faithfulness. uh, That he receives the glory and that he is in heaven and he does all that he pleases. We cannot see these as any less than that which glorifies who he is. This truth surrounds the conversation of Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus himself Being God, the eternal Son of God, points to the glory of the triune God as he speaks to Nicodemus concerning Nicodemus's inquiry of him. We will see this in part as we study this passage together today. If you're looking for points of application, we need to admit at the forefront of this is an indication of a question that Jesus asked throughout his earthly ministry, which is this, What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? That question is asked uh, throughout uh, John's gospel account of Jesus' life. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? As we shall see, it is that one be miraculously reborn. That is, one who is born from above, or one who is born of God, using John's own language. We also see that, One who is trusted in Christ, who has been regenerated by the Spirit, is one who is continuing to fully trust in the Lord as they live out the rest of their life in conformity to Him and to His will. And we will see how this is used in the language of that same idea, this idea of kingdom. As Jesus says, we are either seeing or inheriting the kingdom of God in this passage. Here is the main point this morning. You'll see this written on the back of your worship folder. One must be born of God in order to see his kingdom. You could say see or inherit as well. One must be born of God in order to see his kingdom. I want us to see this morning two synonymous truths concerning those who will see the kingdom of God. Two synonymous truths concerning concerning those who will see the kingdom of God. Jesus makes one expression and then he clarifies with a second expression that we'll see together this morning. The first is this. Whoever would like to see the kingdom of God or inherit the kingdom of God must be born again. They must be born again. Again, we looked at some of these uh, truths last week, but we need to look at them again as we continue into the interaction with Jesus and Nicodemus. Recall, The previous verses to this that we just read together, uh, Jesus was doing signs and people were believing in his name. And uh, John the Apostle uses an interesting play on words uh, concerning this believing in his name because that's what he says is necessary in John chapter 1, that they must believe in his name. And those who believe in his name, they receive the title children of God. We just sang about that, didn't we? What a wonderful truth for those who are in Christ. But, but John, in using this play on words about this, uh, then illustrates this second kind of belief that is not true belief. It is, it is false or dubious belief because they were simply believing in the signs. And Jesus, on his part, it says, does not entrust himself to these ones who were believing because he knew what was in their hearts. He knew that their hearts were not truly believing. And what we come to discover today in John chapter 3 is that the heart cannot believe unless God does something to the heart. Unless God regenerates the heart. This is throughout all of the scripture. Belief or faith is a fruit of regeneration. Belief or faith is a fruit of regeneration. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that uh, the, the, the mind that is unconverted cannot understand the things of God. We need God to come in and move in our hearts in order for us to understand and believe the good news. This, indeed, this idea of two kinds of belief is a controlling truth for several of the upcoming narratives. Uh, We'll see a contrast and comparison of Nicodemus and the woman at the well, and then the the nobleman who comes to Jesus, and then eventually those people who come to Jesus after he has miraculously fed uh, thousands of people who are only there because they believe in the signs and not in who he truly says he is. And we'll see that in coming weeks. But but this uh, gives us a lens through which to see these verses that we're studying together this morning as well. As we mentioned last week, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, likely to shield himself from the onlooking eyes of the people. As a Jewish leader, the people may have seen this as an affirmation of Jesus, and possibly to keep himself from the ridicule of his fellow Pharisees, who we will see over time, Uh, in the Gospel of John, continue to try to trip Jesus up. And so it wouldn't have been strange for Nicodemus to ask a question of Jesus. We see that often, but the intention of the heart almost always in those instances are the intention to trip him up. It's interesting that Nicodemus acknowledges Jesus as a teacher, the term rabbi there, or teacher, Uh, It is not uncommon for someone to, in in these days, walk around and and teach and to acquire this title. It it would be interesting for someone like Nicodemus to use this title of Jesus Jesus because um, what had the Pharisees asked previously? Uh, Give us a sign to show you have authority. And he tells them about his resurrection. He uses metaphorical language about the temple. Uh, tearing the temple down and it being rebuilt in three days. Thus, obviously, uh, or maybe not so obviously to them, but to us, uh, relocating that temple location to himself. As he, we'll see in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, we'll even see that this comes to light in that conversation. But he is a teacher. And, and, and Nicodemus recognizes him as a teacher, but also as a teacher who comes from God. It says, no one can do these things that you do unless he is from God, unless God is with him. But we discussed last week that Nicodemus' acknowledgement falls short. And I do not think we should criticize him for this. Uh, here he is with Jesus. Yes, he may be doing so under the cover of night, but he is genuinely curious and is de- desiring to know more about who Jesus is. Unless Jesus has called us to be his disciples had called us to be his disciples in that day, and was directly telling us who he was. Much of what Jesus did was veiled. He even purposely veiled things, like saying, "You know, the temple. Uh, if you tear it down, I will build it up three days later." And the truly curious, like Nicodemus, should not be criticized for wanting to find out more of who he is. How anyone responds is the issue uh, to these issues. So Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, likely receiving what Nicodemus is intending to ask. Um, he knows the hearts of men. We've already seen that, right, in chapter 2. And so he is able to pierce through Nicodemus' question. Jesus responds by stating that for Nicodemus to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again, or another translation is born from above. As I mentioned last week, the way in which Nicodemus understands this is that one must re-enter his mother's womb to be born again. So the the meaning there in the original language is very ambiguous. It can mean it can mean to be born again. It can mean to be born from above. Of course, from our perspective, we know this is not what Jesus means, and we must see his next statement as clarifying, but we must first see why this statement is so crucial that he says here, look again at it with me. Jesus answered him, verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, First, just a a bit of information about this statement, truly, truly. Uh, There is really no place in the scriptures or in the literature where we see someone begin a sentence with basically amen and amen. So be it. This is true. Uh, Usually rabbis in that day would end their statements with amen and amen. Jesus begins his statement with amen and amen. Again, this may be drawing back to this idea of the Pharisees saying, by what authority do you do these things? And when he says amen and amen at the beginning, he is setting forth an authority. Truly, truly, I say these things. And so he says to Nicodemus, who seems to be maybe beating around the bush a bit about this question that comes up so often in the Gospel of John, "How how do I inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus says, Nicodemus, let me get to the heart of the matter. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born of God. First, one thing we must ask is, what is the Jewish expectation of the kingdom? As uh, F.F. Bruce points out uh, in his commentary, this was seen to be an external and universal rule. At the heart of Nicodemus' inquiry to Christ about the coming from God and God being with him, Jesus knew the ultimate question would be concerning God's kingdom. The Jewish leaders had an expectation that the Messiah would come and overthrow the Roman government and that the Messiah would physically rule on the earth and that Israel and the nations would bow down to him. This is, of course, uh, the ultimate reality of the rule of God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But in what way would this occur? And when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again, what does he mean when he says the kingdom of God? Well, it becomes clear in our study of the scriptures that what Nicodemus is thinking and what Jesus is intending, and really what God has intended from the beginning, if Jesus is going to challenge him, like, haven't you read your Bible, Nicodemus? (laughs) That this is far more than just the physical kingdom. How would this occur? It was not the path thought by the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day, though their expectation of the end of all things was not necessarily off base. The means by which this would occur was not correct in their thinking. What Jesus is unveiling here is that the kingdom is inaugurated in the hearts of men. This is no less than what Jeremiah and Ezekiel have prophesied, even as we heard in our Old Testament reading this morning. He will give them new hearts. Uh, This is about a spiritual change. And if we consider the Old Testament uh, people of God... As we consider the Israelites, we see that, yes, some were following the Mosaic law externally. But how many of them had taken to heart what God had truly said? How many of them had truly believed and trusted in the good news of the coming Messiah? We begin to see that this is the challenge in the Old Testament to the people of God, is it not? We think about... um, someplace like uh, the prophet of uh, Malachi speaking and saying, you do these external things, you conform to an external means, but your heart is not mine. You are not conformed to me. You are not trusting in me. And so God, through his prophets such as Jeremiah and Ezekiel, promises that he would give them new hearts. This is where the kingdom begins. This is where it is inaugurated, if you will. You may think of it in this way. As we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we put our faith and trust in Him, we are integrated into the body of Christ. And we are called kingdom priests, are we not? We are those who are to proclaim the good news to all the nations And we are those who are to care for, especially the local assembly, as we are a kingdom of priests. And God is building up this kingdom, though the world diminishes until Christ bursts on the scene and His visible kingdom is brought to bear upon this world. We are kingdom representatives until that time. Jesus is bringing this concept from the outward to the inner here. Nicodemus, in order to see God's kingdom, you must actually have something that changes you. I mean, Can you just think like a Nicodemus would think? Well, wait a minute. I thought Messiah was going to come on the scene and this was all going to happen. Why does it begin with me being born again or born from above or born of God? How does that help me see the kingdom? Jesus is taking it from the outward to the inner. And we get glimpses, don't we, dear ones? We get glimpses of that in our fellowship with one another. In God's great gospel movement across this globe, we get glimpses of the kingdom. But we long for it, don't we? We long to see our Lord face to face and to be able to have not our name vindicated, as it says in Ezekiel 36, but that his name would be vindicated. That the nations would look on and say, there is the holy triune God Jesus is beginning to unveil this to Nicodemus. But once again, we think about Nicodemus' response. How can one enter into his mother's womb for a second time? And this is where Jesus brings clarity for Nicodemus, which is why we say our second point is synonymous. In it, Jesus brings clarity. Second point here, they must be born of water and the Spirit. They must be born of water and Spirit. And the Spirit. Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we think about this response. We think about Nicodemus's first question to Jesus' first response You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thinks very earthly. How can I? climb up into my mother's womb and be born again. Can one do that when they are so old? as possible that Nicodemus was an older man. Um, he uh, certainly is perplexed by what Jesus says here. So Jesus, again, expands on this truly, truly. Again, this, this signification of authority, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, now beyond seeing, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So this may raise questions, and it does, certainly. What is this meaning of born of water and born of the Spirit? Well, as you can imagine, over the millennia, there have been different interpretations and understandings of what this means exactly. Some say that it is the idea of water and the Spirit in regard to baptism and regeneration. In other words, one must be baptized in order to be saved. This takes out... Uh, this takes an outward work and makes it savingly effective. In other words, it's saying that something within the water mystically regenerates the uh, soul. Uh, one uh, person, uh, S. Lewis Johnson, I thought had a great response to that, which is this. Then how could it be that we don't know when the Spirit moves and regenerates people, as Jesus says at the end? We would know perfectly. They were Regenerated in the waters of baptism. But that's not what Jesus says, as the Spirit moves according to God. Right? Now, we're not saying that baptism has no effect. It just doesn't have a justifying effect. It is effect in the sense it is effective in the sense that it is a surety, a command for the sake of an outward seal, but in and of itself it is not a justifying act. But we might say it is a sanctifying act in that it conforms us to this idea of being regenerated. It does not do anything savingly, but it does affirm to the body of believers, the church, that this person is publicly making a statement of what has happened inwardly. And even to them it is a, it is a sign of that trueness within them. I do think that baptism signifies outwardly what Jesus is getting at concerning what happens inwardly, but baptism does not justify us. So I think it's a picture and it's a confirmation of what Jesus is getting at, which we'll get to in just a moment, but it is not saving us. Well, others say perhaps this is speaking of natural birth and spiritual birth. Because of what verse 6 says. Because it says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Therefore, this is talking about the waters of birth. Uh, the idea of um, the, the amniotic fluid or something along those lines. But this is redundant. Nicodemus understands that he has already been born. He's questioning the idea of a second birth. And, and Jesus would be confusing that, uh, it seems, uh, if he were going through those. Those. Uh, Or saying that it is that, this idea of of natural birth. And then finally, some say it is, and I think that this is the right understanding, an allusion to Ezekiel 36, as we read in our Old Testament reading this morning. As it is stated, this is a sprinkling of clean water, cleansed from their uncleanliness, is the idea. Uh, Listen to what Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7 says. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, listen to this, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Did you hear that? The washing of of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit and heirs, we could say, of the kingdom. The hope of eternal life. So we recall, again, that reading in Ezekiel chapter 36 this morning. So this is what God is going to do. He's going to pour out His Spirit upon them. He's going to give them new hearts. He's going to wash them. He's going to cleanse them. This seems to be the idea that Jesus is getting at here, this idea of Ezekiel 36, that they needed to be washed through this regeneration, this renewal of the Spirit. In fact, it's interesting that uh, Peter uses this language in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. In one, he says, uh, you know, be baptized for the remission of sins. He's not suggesting that baptism justifies at all. He's actually referring to this idea of being regenerated by the Spirit, which is signified through water baptism, because then in, later in Acts chapter 4, he mentions nothing about baptism, but he speaks of the renewal of the Spirit, the washing of the Spirit. Now when we hear this terminology of washing from uncleanliness, what does that make us think of? It, it makes us think of sin. We must be cleansed because we are unclean. We are regardless of our ethnic or spiritual heritage, those who are sinners in need of a cleansing. And this is what Jesus is pointing out. He says, all right, Nicodemus, you're not getting this. This is not about being physically born again. This is about being made new. This is about being born of God, being washed by the Spirit, being regenerated, being given new life. So Jesus is explaining this idea of second birth. That which is born of the flesh is of flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit. Do, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. There is this idea uh, that there are those who are born by the will of man. Right? There is this idea, we, in regard to natural birth, we are born by the will of man. But there are those who are born by the will of God. Turn back with me to John chapter 1. Anytime we're studying a book of the Bible, we look not only at the immediate context, we look at the context of the book, and we look at the larger context of the Scripture because there's one divine author. But it's interesting what John says here as he opens this prologue in John chapter 1 and verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Now notice this. John takes this idea of children and then speaks about birth. So those who believe are those who are born in a certain way, is what he says in verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. So he, he triple stamps this thing. <laughs> he says, this isn't about physical birth. This is about being born of God. Those who believe and receive his name are those who are born of God. This is spiritual regeneration, being born again, being born from above. And this is a result of being born Of God. This is not something that we enable ourselves to do. This is something that God enables in us. We are spiritually dead, and we need someone to make us spiritually alive. That's the point that Jesus is making here. That's the point that John is expanding upon in John chapter 1. Now, as uh, Lewis Johnson says, as He speaks about this. We're talking about logical order, not chronological order. Very much from our perspective, we see this as simultaneous, don't we? If someone this morning, and let's pray that this happens, comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they would come and say, I have turned from my sin, and I have trusted in the the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am saved. And from our perspective... What would we say? We would say, God has saved you. Wouldn't we? We wouldn't say they've saved themselves. We would say, God has saved you. Well, in what sense has God saved you? Well, Revelation says that the Lamb was slain from before the foundation of the world. So that even the Old Testament believers would trust in what was to come. And we look back upon what was done. And certainly, from Nicodemus' perspective, it is trusting as much as he understands about who Messiah is and what he came to do. And Jesus is explaining that to him. We're only getting to a part of that today. We'll see the rest of it. Of course, famously, John chapter 3 and verse 16 illuminates that for us, doesn't it? But the point is this, dear ones we would never say that we save ourselves if we understand the scriptures. And so, who is it that makes us alive? It is God. You say, well, well, how do I make sure that that's me? How do I make sure that that God is going to make me alive? Repent and believe. Trust the gospel. Well, Well, I'm just not sure that God has regenerated my heart so that I can believe. The call is this. The gospel call to you is this. Repent. Turn from your sins. Believe. God will do the work. And if you are at that point, he has already done the work. It is not by the will of man. It is by the will of God that they are born. Jesus then says to Nicodemus, back over to John chapter 3, Do not marvel, verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Can I just pause for a moment? This is such a glorious truth. The work of salvation in you, dear believer, today is a Trinitarian work. It is the, we call it the opera, ed, uh, opera ad extra in theology. It is the outworking of the triune God for your salvation. The triune God planned it. The Father sent the Son. The Son obeyed the Father And the Spirit regenerates and indwells the believers. When I say you're born of God, when the Scriptures say that more importantly, it is a triune salvation. You're born of God. You're born of the Spirit. Jesus' answers show that salvation is of the Lord. Listen to these verses that proclaim this in the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 3 and verse 8, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Psalm 62 and verse 7, On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 11, I, I am the Lord Yahweh, and besides me there is no Savior. Isaiah 45 and verse 21, and there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Hosea chapter 13 and verse 4. But I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. You know no God but me. And besides me there is no Savior. God is Savior. Jesus is Savior. The Spirit is Savior. We can know no Redemption, no reconciliation without God first moving in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, We are dead in our trespasses and sins. But God made us alive together with him in the heavenlies. This language is throughout both the Old and New Testament. That God is Savior. God is the one who regenerates. As Jesus has stated, Nicodemus should not marvel at this. And he uses an illustration about wind and the Spirit. Once again, Jesus is expressing what John states at the beginning of his gospel, that this is not according to man's willing, but according to God's will. So, just as the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Just as the wind moves in its sort of sovereign way, we see its effects. So too God is the one who moves by his spirit into the lives of those who become his. Now we, we begin to, you know, we begin to put our toe over the edge of things we cannot understand here. Again, we're we're talking about logical order in regard to regeneration. God regenerates and then we believe. From our perspective, it is maybe all at once. But this is what the Word of God says. Jesus later states in this passage that Nicodemus, being the teacher of Israel, ought to know these things. And this reminds us that simply because one knows the Scriptures does not mean that they have been born of God. This is Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, inquiring of him, ultimately probably trying to get to this question about the kingdom, and Jesus blows his mind. It's evident, isn't it? How do I get back in my mother's womb? And I don't get this, Jesus. And Jesus blows his mind a second time. You must be born of God, Nicodemus. This regenerative work comes from the Spirit. And listen, He will cleanse you. He will cleanse you. So my question to some of you this morning is, have you been born from above? Have you seen that you are unclean before a holy and righteous God and that He must cleanse you and make you new Again, I'll say it just simply. If you ask, how do I know that that is me? Turn from your sin. Trust in Christ. We have the, the wonderful, beautiful advantage of being post-resurrection and ascension. Nicodemus is looking forward to what Christ would do. We look about, uh, back upon what has already been done. Repent and believe the gospel. For those of us in Christ, let me ask us this. Do we see ourselves as kingdom citizens? We are to be about our Father's business. Proclaiming the good news. Telling people they must be born again. You you need to be cleansed from your sin. You need to trust the perfect Savior We're to be making disciples as a sort of all-around idea of proclaiming the gospel and giving gospel encouragement to our brothers and sisters in Christ, pointing them to the truth that if they are in Christ, he is making them new, he is conforming them to the image of Christ. We are citizens in an inaugurated kingdom that is awaiting its fulfillment. What are we doing with the time that God has given us as we await the coming kingdom unless one be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God if you are born again you have been made a part of that kingdom and we must live like it would you join me in prayer Lord what a joyful truth this morning we must be born again and it is by your Grace and mercy that anyone, anyone is made new. None of us come with any sort of righteousness of our own saying, uh, here's 50%, Lord, I need your 50%. No, we come indebted to you because of our sin. You not only cancel our debt, you then give us your righteousness. What is this? But that which is glorifying to you that you would take us that you would wash us, that you would give us new hearts, that you would stamp your name upon us and say, that is my child. Lord, for those of us in Christ, may we live that out every day, especially as we consider our families and our loved ones here in this local assembly. What a joy to be able to serve one another as kingdom citizens. And then, Lord, I pray that we would also go forth into our community and proclaim that people must be born again. And, Lord, today, I do pray that if there are those who do not know you, that today would be the day of salvation, of regeneration, of washing, of the Spirit coming into their life. Because they have turned from their sin, and trusted in Christ's perfect life, his death, his resurrection. We know that he ascended and that he is coming again. Lord, would they be made new today? Would you take their stony heart and make it a heart of flesh? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.